I have no idea who here is the ultimate decision maker. I've got all these stakeholders, and they all seem to want different things. No one seems to be able to make something happen, but anyone seems to be able to stop it. Many complex organizations face some version of this challenge because moving ahead successfully with any kind of strategic initiative typically requires a high degree of alignment. In today's episode of Vantage Views, Vantage Partners co-founder Danny Ortel will discuss decision-making and alignment with his guest, Greg Parsley. Let's tune in. Morning, Greg. Hello, Danny. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for spending a little time with us today. My pleasure. So, Greg, before we jump in, I just think it's probably uh, only fair to let our audience know a little bit about your storied background, right? So I won't say how many years, uh, but you spent uh, a decade or more, let's say, at, uh, at uh, companies like IBM and BMC, uh, very heavily involved in large account management, large enterprise accounts, and in uh, strategic partner management in an industry that is highly dependent on strategic partners. Um, and then Shell came along and said, hey, would you come and help us manage suppliers, apply some of that special sauce that you've got on uh, client management and sales uh, on the buy side of the house? And as you did that, you, you also went from relatively stable, uh, steady state kind of environments um, to an organization that was deliberately undertaking a very significant transformation. So you bring a lot of interesting experiences here, and I want to pick your brain a little bit on what you've learned from some of those. Uh, I want to jump right in. So maybe one uh, sort of question for you, Greg, is is you've lived through um, having to influence and herd cats and corral stakeholders in very large, complex, but stable organizations going through growth periods, and you've lived through it in organizations going through major transformations. What stands out for you as some of the big differences in how you engage stakeholders and how you build alignment through stability versus through big changes? In organizations that are going through transition, there is a huge emotional element of fear, fear uh, that has to be dealt with. Whereas in very stable organizations, uh, you have a very huge and emotional uh, energy around, uh, leveraging up and, uh, people getting promoted and advancing. It's people dealing with their motivations, what their interests are, where they see they plug in. Here's what's next. But in organizations that are going through transformation, great change and new organizations, by the way, I've seen that as well, is that there's this, and and fear is probably not exact, the exact right word. There's, you know, trepidation, there's concern, there's the unknown, but it's helping. It's you getting to know that, why it exists, and then how things fit together and work in this very dynamic world versus the stable environment where it's much more of uh, the structure by which people have become accustomed and know here's how you advance in the company. And so in either either world, people have their own interest, if you will. They have their own uh, methods And it's about getting to know that and know them and know culturally how the organization is where it's at and where it wants to go, that you can then to start to actually develop relationships and influence folks from a very positive uh, standpoint. 
You've got sort of a great background in large enterprise account management at IBM, one of the companies that I think sort of invented managing large enterprise relationships and in partner managing at BMC in the software business where you've got to work with partners. Um, and I'm curious from that experience, did you find it easier or harder to get aligned internally than to get aligned with customers and partners? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Danny. And I, I suppose uh, I don't see it as any different. And I guess that's probably why I bridged from uh, different you know, uh, seats around the table to eventually working from in a sales position to actually working in an internal uh, sourcing type of environment. And I think what happens oftentimes is that salespeople are taught very clearly to understand their clients. And so they do a tremendous amount of mapping, if you will, of the organization, the decision-making process, who the experts are, et cetera. But yet when we get to the internal we suddenly think that that all just magically happens because of org charts and authorities and governance structures when the opposite is just the truth. We don't take the time to actually map out our stakeholders. We don't take the time to actually take a hard look at where the power resides, where the influence resides, where the informal network of people are and reside and how we actually have relationships with them or not. And instead, we just think, well, we've been given this mandate from our bosses, and therefore, it is the corporate edict. So we approach other people in this mandate mindset versus this collaborative mindset, or even, I'll say selling, but selling in a good way, which means we're actually trying to join together mutual people and jointly take advantage of an opportunity or solve a problem by working together collaboratively. So it, it really comes down to some fundamental skills, if you will. Uh, that, that most of our salespeople that call on us are taught, and yet internally, we sometimes don't take the time to teach ourselves that. Any, uh, any examples come to mind of when you turn some <laughs> of those great sales tools uh, into, your, into the internal matrix? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite stories is, uh, and I brought this on myself, so I only have myself to blame, is when we were launching the supplier management uh, initiative across all of, all of Shell. And so we have this global organization. People are, op are used to operating very autonomously. Shell is not one company. It's a conglomeration of many, many different disciplines and it across different businesses. And we're launching the supplier management initiative and our senior v vice president was head of all sourcing procurement globally. First time that role's ever been created. I said, Greg, where do we start? And I said, well, let's start with the biggest, ugliest, messiest uh, supplier that we have a problem with. And he said, oh, that's easy. Here it is. And uh, I said, great, wonderful. And so I said, oh no, what did I just turn on? And what I realized quickly uh, by, by using a whiteboard to map all this out, and thank goodness I at the time had access to a very big whiteboard, was that all of the stakeholders uh, had incredibly different, diverse relationships around different products and different technologies with the supplier. Uh, and None of them had ever talked to each other, but every one of them knew what the answer was to solve the problem with the, with the supplier. So they all had different problems from different perspectives, but all of them knew exactly what to do, but they had never talked to each other at all about, about the problem. And then I actually went and talked to the supplier. They had a different perspective. They said, please, would the real shell stand up? We can't figure out what it is you guys want us to do, because each and every day you send each and every one of our divisions 
multiple directions, multiple interests, multiple ways of doing things, multiple demands. Who can actually tell us which one you want us to do first? So we mapped all that out very, very structurally. We did some diagnostic interviews and uh, questionnaires across both sets of the parties. And then we did what is my favorite technique. And my Texas slang is we put all the liars in one room. Uh, was we held up a mirror to both companies, to both senior executives. And what they realized was, wow, the problem is not across the table. The, pla the problem is actually in our own company. And I wish I could do the Italian accent that the head of manufacturing for this supplier used. And I wish I could use the colorful language he used as well, where he said, your engineers and my engineers are not engineers. They think they are Michelangelo. They are both trying to create art. And neither one of us can run a business based upon art. We have to run a business based upon repeatability, sustainability, efficiencies. Uh, and across the board table, they actually reached over and shook hands and said, we're not going to let that go on anymore. We're actually going to enforce the discipline that we expect into our own organizations. It was a good moment of using some very structured approaches to drive an aha moment and agreement and a realization uh, of how we could work together more efficiently and effectively. And that was actually by working more efficiently and effectively inside our own houses. Um, I love that story, Greg. And just um, what, what advice do you have? What, what of what you've accumulated the hard way um, is teachable? The number one learning that I, that I had, and it happened early when I was in sales, was why do people say no? And you just start thinking about it. Why are they saying no to me? And so usually when people say no, I don't know, I, I talked a little louder. I talked a little faster, but I kept talking. And what I learned over time is that people say no because they've got some legitimate concerns. And so the better I could be at actually uncovering what those concerns are, the better I was able to understand them. Uh, and so I learned to ask a lot of questions and to listen uh, a whole hell of a lot more than I talked uh, and, and tried to understand. So what happens to them if they say no? What happens to them if they say yes to what I'm proposing? And then to look at the world through their lens versus mine. I mean, in a sales, I had my objective and, you know, pretty driven, structured guy I was going to achieve my objective. And if I could just build that perfect value proposition and put the focus on them more than on me as a way certainly to initiate the conversations uh, and the relationships, including with very uh, well-established relationships you had with people. When you bring a new idea forward, you almost start from the ground up. Hopefully you start with a little bit of credibility and trust because you've, you know, you've relentlessly executed, you've de you did what you said you want to do, you've, you've developed a knowledge of their business and your own, you're able to marry those two together. But when it's a new idea, you still need to start from, so what's important to them and what good or bad happens to them as a result of them agreeing to what it is you're, you're proposing. Sounds like a great technique for, for getting into the shoes of the person that you're trying to to persuade or influence um, and thinking a little bit about what does it have to look like to them um, for yes to be the right answer. Um, I like that a lot. Well, thank you, Greg. This has been a terrific conversation. It sounds like over the course of your career on the uh, sales side of the house and partnering and supplier management, going through transformation, um, you've picked up quite a few techniques and lessons learned along the way. Um, Thank you for sharing those with us this morning. My pleasure, Danny. And I hope this is uh, helpful to those that take the time to listen. 
That is our Vantage Views for May 2021. Vantage Views is produced by Vantage Partners, a consulting and training firm that empowers companies to innovate more quickly, execute with greater discipline, and collaborate more effectively for sustained impact and growth. Tune in next month for more thoughts on how to solve hard problems with soft skills.